If y'all will, come listen to my friend Steve as he brings his message. Night. Son, we got the Baptist fired up. Isn't that something? I'm telling you what. Now, my dad is 94 years old, and he mispronounces words a lot. And he's got a lot of friends at the Methodist Church. And I'm telling you, you bunch of Methodists tonight, I believe you know what you're singing about. And you have blessed my heart. And I'm telling you what. If you can't preach after that, son, your wood is wet. <laughs> you. you ain't got it. I tell you, we're so excited. We've been talking about evangelism. We've been talking about share our testimony. We've been talking about the fact that God calls us to be his witnesses. And not only he calls us, he said he will make us his witnesses. Amen. He will make us fishers of men. Now, if God created the world, I think he could make us witnesses. But see, the problem is, is you and I have to choose to obey God. And we've got to obey God in every aspect of our walk. But the thing about it is, if we're not witnessing, we're not obeying. And it's just that simple. We've talked about a lot of different things. Uh, you know, we talked about different ways people used to have come up with ideas. We're talking about how to share the gospel, what the gospel is. We've written the gospel out and uh, done a good job with that, I think. We've written it two different times, two different ways. But you know, used to back in the, back in the 50s and 60s and even before that, a lot, a lot of times when preachers would go to the gas station, uh, they'd get out of the car and go around and stand by the attendant as he pumped gas. And that's one of the methods that they used to strike up a conversation. And so if you can find somebody to pump your gas, you can just talk to them. <laughs> it ain't going to happen, but you can try it. But anyway. And uh, we talked about, you know, starting conversations in different ways to get. You know what? Now, we've been talking about personal evangelism, but I don't know about this Facebook business, okay? All I know is the telephone was invented after the telegraph. So I used the phone. I don't have to tap out my messages, okay? <laughs> but I think the Facebook, somebody has to ask to be your friend, right? Well, if they've asked to be your friend, don't you think they'd probably like to hear your testimony? And man, you can print that baby up and she might go viral. <laughs> So guess what? We need to be thinking all kind of ways, all different kind of things, different situations, and learning to share and make these things known. Different ways you share the gospel, different methods you use to get started, tell people about, and get people excited about sharing their faith. I talk, we talked about uh, you can use gospel tracts. And I forgot about a couple of the kind of gospel tracts that are available. I told you that the uh, uh, Christian bookstores have about 190, between 190 and 200 different gospel tracts. And you know what? We were saying that you, they've got a pet, uh, a, tr a pet track now that says, will your pet go to heaven? 
I mean, we got a lot of people that love them puppies and dogs and cats and stuff, you know. And all you got to do is hold that up. You got that little picture of the kitten on there. And will your pet go to heaven? And they'll say, give me one of those. They've got pets. They've got uh, tracks that say, uh, what is your favorite television station um, show? And you say, well, Law and Order or uh, CSI or, you know, you, and it's got like three choices. And you say, hey, oh, what's your favorite television station? And he'll say, there, and you hand it to them and they'll read it. And the gospel's in there. They've got, uh, what is your favorite celebrity? You know, Michael Jordan, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Tom Cruise. Pull it up there. They'll take it. The gospel's in there. And, that, and, and so I had a, the, David Nunn, the guy that uh, wrote this program, the guy that I'm working with, he went to Stone Mountain, Georgia. He lived in Stone Mountain. And on the 4th of July, he went to the fireworks at Stone Mountain, Georgia. About eighty to 100,000 people attend that. And he and his family went early to get a good seat. They went about two, er, two hours early and got the last two seats on the back row. Okay, that's how good they did. But you, and what it is, is you don't have a seat, you take a blanket and spread it out, and you sit on the blanket, and then you're talking to everybody around me. Well, he took some gospel tracts, those that said about what is your favorite celebrity. And uh, so when, when they got settled on their blanket, he got up, walked around, and said, who's your favorite celebrity? And hell went up, and the, the lady he was talking to says, I don't want any of that. But then the lady beside her said, I do. I, what, what do you got? Let me see it. So he turned around and gave her one. And then about two minutes later, there was, a, there was a line about 10 deep waiting in line to get gospel tracts. And then he ran out of gospel tracts, and they almost beat him to death because he didn't have any more. <laughs> the gospel has its own power. And if you'll turn it loose... It'll do its work. I'm going to be trying to stay uh, close to got, you know, sports. What's your favorite sports? Baseball, football, or tennis? And uh, we've been talking about your personal testimony. And uh, people need to hear. And you know, the, the Facebook is not what you call personal, but if they have volunteered to be your friend, it is kind of personal. So then you talk to them about everything else. Why not about Jesus? I think that's uh, probably the best use of the internet I've thought about yet. We talked about uh, that we witness to honor God, uh, that we are commanded and commissioned by Jesus to witness. We talked about how to overcome the fear of witnessing, ways to get in the habit of witnessing, saying grace every meal. That reminds you three times a day that you need to be concentrating on witnessing. You witness, you pray uh, by yourself. You pray with others. If there's other people at the table with you, you don't know them, say, I'm about to pray over my food. Can I pray for everybody's food? You haven't offended them. You just say, can I pray over your food? And so you know what? You have not testified. You have not given your testimony because the, the main part, remember, Main part, you tell about your life before you met Jesus, and you tell about your life when you met Jesus. In that middle section, you must conclude include the gospel. 
that Jesus lived a perfect life and died a sacrificial life and was raised from the dead. And he died to pay for your sin and for my sin. And you include that. And yes, the Bible says that he will give us power to witness. But in, but in uh, Romans 1, 16, it says, and it is the power of God unto salvation. And we talked about the fact that you just need to let the gospel you. And you know what? And it's going to be hard because, I mean, even, you know, when I realized this fact, I'd been sharing my testimony for years. But a lot of times I'd share and I wouldn't include the gospel. Now I know if I don't, I haven't done what God has asked us to do. We talked about praying for your, for your waitress at the, at the uh, if you go to a restaurant. And I do that a lot. And uh, I've had, you know, people tell me I don't want to hear it. People say, yes, pray for me. And I've had a bunch of ladies just break down and cry right there standing at my table. Saying, boy, if you knew what was going on in my life, you know, you know. If you pray with the waitress, tip well. I do a lot of traveling. And I talk to a lot of waitresses. And you know, uh, the worst shift, the shift that everybody hates is Sunday afternoon. You wonder why? Because the Baptists come in and they want their discount with their bulletin. Uh, amen, or owe me one. And then you know what? She's, she's got the short end of the stick because nobody wants that shift. And she's not working because she loves to work. She's working because she's a single mom and got five kids and nobody helped to support them. And then we stiff her for the tip because we didn't get enough ice in our teeth. Living out, Jesus living in. And you know what? My Bible tells me if I don't give it away, I'm not going to get to keep it. And you can't outgive God. And why not just blow the mind of some little waitress? And he'll say, she'll say, who are those people? Praise God. It's Jesus in me. The thing about it is, uh, inviting people to church is good. And we need to do that. We need to always do that. But, you know, unless we... Go further than that and get to where we can share the gospel, then we, we, it's, it's, the, it's the polite thing to do to invite people to church. It's the nice thing to do to invite people to church. But if you think that is your testimony, no. The fact that Jesus saved you out of hell and take, took you to hell, you're on your way to heaven, that is your testimony. And that is what we need to be sharing. The power is in the gospel. Uh, get creative in the way you share the gospel. No, you know, just think about all kind of different ways. Uh, here we're going to start talking about uh, in tonight's lesson is appropriating the power that we need to uh, share the gospel. Now I touched on this uh, on the very first night, and I've been kind of poking around it every night about, you know, the fact that we need to have God's power. We need to have God's power to witness, 
But we also have to have God's white power to be a Christian. We cannot live like a Christian without God. And the Holy Spirit is the one who empowers us to be like Jesus. So unless we've got it, we cannot on our own. Now, we can do things in our flesh that make us look good, but they're nothing but flesh. They'll burn at the judgment like wheat because we've done stuff trying to work our way to heaven instead of letting God work through us and see people saved. Uh, I had to go in the bathroom I, had, I got one of these from Stan's place. It was a toilet thing. Uh, but I went back there, and there's too much toilet paper on the, in the thing, so I stole about five or ten squares, of, and I put, folded them up nice and made it where they could still use them. I didn't waste it, okay? But do y'all know what this is? You know what it is? It's a toot tootaloo. My mother gave me these things when I was little, and I go, And I'd drive her about half crazy. She'd snatch that thing out of my hand and throw it in the trash. <laughs> but see, our lives should be like this. Not a glass that has a bottom that gets filled up. But it says that the Holy Spirit works through us. And see, your witness is just what it is. It's just a manifestation of the fact that the Holy Spirit of God is flowing through you. And the Holy Spirit comes in and he goes out and it never gets stale because the Holy Spirit is flowing through your life, okay? And uh, I'll be selling these in the back after. <laughs> but we have to realize, see, we've talked about witnessing as a verb and talking about what we need to do. But the truth of the matter Witnessing is really a noun and means witnessing is who we are. It's who you are. It's not what you do. It's who you are. You're a witness for Jesus Christ. He saved you. Put your name on the Lamb's Book of Life. Put your foot on the solid rock and you're headed toward heaven. Amen. And we need to be telling our story. And telling people what God has done in our lives and how he can help get in there. The thing about it is that we must be controlled by the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit controls us to exalt Jesus, lift him up, and make him known. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, I want you to tell you something. You cannot produce any of those things. Only the Holy Spirit can produce those things in you. You've got to have the Spirit control you so that you can be, be all of those things. Let's just talk about some of them for a minute. Talks about love. And you know what? You can't love until you know what love, you know who love is. And, uh, so you know what? You've got, you've, got to, you've got to learn how to love. And, uh, uh, you know, we do uh, couples conferences at the, at the camp. And uh, when I started those years ago, 
I told, uh, I advertised it at ladies, try and remember why you married that sucker in the first place. <laughs> and they're just packed, okay? <laughs> That's a joke, but anyway. But talk about love. You know, you know the, 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 the Bible tells the man that he has to love his wife as Christ loved the church. And he said that he had to love his wife as he loved his own body. And, oh, Lord, what is this? That's my brother-in-law. Tell him, I, I'm, okay, okay. <laughs> I'll call him. Anyway. Where was I? Love. Okay. Now, the Bible commands that the husband love the wife. And you know why he commanded the man to do that? Because that's the hardest thing a man will ever do, is love anybody more than he loves himself. If you think I got a good big body, you ought to see my ego. <laughs> ego, E-G-O. That means easing God out. And see, when you're more concerned about what you want, what you want to do and how you're going to do it, and you, you know, uh, <laughs> I'm, and I don't know how long I'm going to be preaching out, but anyway, we got, but... <laughs> My mother was a very dominant person. She was valedictorian of her class and, man, a real go-getter. And uh, my dad was just a good old redneck country boy wearing big old rolls. He's got a chew at the back of his mouth and a stupid hat on his head. And, you know, all my life I would say, you know what? If daddy would just stand up to her just a little bit, I mean, my wife, my life would be so much better. And when I get married... Bless God, I'm going to run my house. My wife was up in Virginia. And his mother, a godly woman from the old school, man, she'd make his sandwich and bring it to him in there and put it in his chair and had a glass of milk. And he wouldn't even taste it. He had too much mayonnaise. She'd run in there and get that thing. She'd... You know, she folded his clothes and made his bath water and cut his fingernails. And my wife is saying, I will not bow, bow down to any man in this planet. <laughs> and we didn't, we didn't uh, honestly, we did not fall in love. We fell into lust. <laughs> but we got married, and it was like two bull goats ramming it. <laughs> and you know what? I didn't know anything about love. And I got saved and it took me forever to learn about love. But the hardest thing it is for me is to love her more than I love myself. And that's the reason God makes it, he makes it the hardest thing you ever do. So when you do do it and do it right, you'll stick there. And ladies, we could, we could have a no, whole other lesson on submit to your husbands. We could have that. But that submit thing is that you support him. Now, if you, if, you, you know, if you feed him food, that's supporting. If you don't feed him, you'll die. So that's okay. That's a feeding him, okay? <laughs> you can wash his clothes and do all this other stuff. You can support him 
in all kind of ways, and that's your job. And you know why it's so hard for you to support him? Because you lay there in bed, and he's asleep, and he's snoring, and you look at him over there, and you say, what are you doing over there? You, 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 you just, God, and you know you can do it better. Because you're smarter. And so you have to submit. And so I won't, I won't preach anymore. I won't do anymore. But let me, let me tell you something. Here's, here's the, because I've got a lot of people in trouble all over. But anyway, <laughs> two things you remember. Ladies, you need to support your husband. Think of two children. A little boy, eight years old. And he goes to school. And he makes it out, and his friends pick on him, and they make him cry, and he comes home to his mama, and he said, Mama, the boy made fun of me and made me cry. And you know what mama's job is? You say, come here, buddy. You don't worry about them boys down there at school. You just know that I love you, and I care about you, and I'm your number one fan. That's what that man needs. He ain't going to tell you that's what he needs, but that's what he needs. That's what he wants. He wants to be supported. And you know what? If you've got an eight-year-old girl and you give her a brand new dress, what's the first thing she's going to do? Twirl. Right? Am I right or wrong? Man, she'll, I can't do it, but anyway. <laughs> Man, that skirt will go out there and she'll, and when she comes aside, did you see me? Daddy, did you see me? And you know, guys, what your job is to watch your wife twirl. Pay attention. Love her. Okay? That ain't part of the sermon, but you got it for nothing, okay? Oh, yeah, about love, okay? What about joy? Joy, you, you can't get joy. Joy is based on, joy is the same thing as happy, happy, and the root word for happy is happenings. And see, if the happenings are good, you're happy, and the happenings are bad, you're sad. And the only way to have real joy on the inside that lasts forever is to know Jesus. Amen. And that comes from the Holy Spirit. Peace. To have true peace depends on your surrender to God. And if you're not at peace with him, you're not at peace with anybody. And if you don't, and if you don't fear him properly, you'll fear everything else in the world. Uh, I had an opportunity to, to go and uh, be with Miss Bertha Smith in 1900. She was called, she was 16 years old. She lied about her age. And she went to China as a missionary. She started a school there, built a compound around it. And she was there when the Japanese invaded China and were just killing people all over the place. And everybody in the town came and hid in her compound. And the Japanese soldiers came to her gate, and she went to the gate and pulled the door open. And she says, I'm sorry, we're not receiving visitors today, and closed the door on the general. They didn't come in. About a week or so later, she had gone into a hospital, and the hospital 
I had a big hall down in the middle and rooms on each end, and it was about three stories tall, and the, the Japanese were just shooting through all the rooms, and the only place to dodge the bullets were in the hallway, and it, it was just people wall to wall, and Miss Bertha was leaned up against the wall like this, and she had her hands to her back like this, and two guys stepped through the double doors at the end of the hall. This hall was, and they just started with two machine guns, just mowing people down like that. Nowhere to run. Nowhere to hide. Miss Bertha stood there with her hands behind her back against the wall. No way she could live. And the girl next to her started to jump on the floor and hide. And as she went down, she looked up and Miss Bertha was grinning. She says, if Bertha can stand, I can stand. And they killed everybody else in the hallway except those two. Peace of God. Peace of God. They retired her at age 61. She didn't want to retire. If you've ever been through Cowpen, South Carolina, uh, on Interstate 85, it's Cowpen, South Carolina, and it's, there's a sign there that says Pentonville Prayer. And that she had a school for teaching preachers how to biblically put their sin on the cross and deal with it. And I was in the class of 97, and it was a life changer. For me to be there with Miss Bertha and see her faith and see her peace and see her joy. The fact that uh, patience, Lord help, we all need patience. But, you know, I don't know that I've ever learned any. The Holy Spirit has given it to me, but I've never learned any. And, uh, I mean, you got people cutting you off in traffic and all that kind of stuff. What about the express lane at the grocery store? Got that big sign, the fast lane or whatever it is, express lane, 10 items or more. And you got three items and you walk up there and the lady in front of you has got 18. You have counted every one and you're boiling mad. God's got to help you with patience. Without God's help, you'll be mad every time. Kindness, goodness. I don't have to explain all these. Faithfulness, consistency, consistency in devotion, consistently in prayer, and consistency in witnessing. Consistency in your life comes only from the Holy Spirit. And then self-control. Boy, if you just knew what God convicted me of, Like I told y'all, I've gained about 38 pounds in the last four weeks. I was sick and I got better. And since then, I have not passed a restaurant of any kind. I have beaten everything they had. I mean, I'm just like, just eating. And y'all do those covered dish suppers back there and try to kill you with maters, taters, and beans. I'm telling you. That's the, and man, I, I come out and I'm walking like this. And I got to preach. You know what? We ought to watch what we eat. And I ought to watch what I eat. And if we don't, we don't have any self-control. And I, you know, I know there's all different kinds of reasons, and I know all the excuses. 
I thought about this early in the week, but I've always had a problem with my weight. And one night I got up about one o'clock in the morning and I went in the kitchen and I was sneaking. I was eating Oreos in the kitchen. And man, I was just mm, enjoying those Oreos so good. And I looked up and there stood my wife looking at me. She could have, I could have been with another woman and it wouldn't hurt me as bad as eating those Oreos. Self-control. Without God's help, you don't have any self-control. It's just that simple. Now then, uh, power of the Holy Spirit that we could have all those things. In Acts 28, I mean Acts 10, 44, the Gentiles received the Holy Spirit at the house of Cornelius. And the first, uh, first chapter of Acts talks about the Holy Spirit. It says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, when you receive the Holy Spirit, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, when you walk in the Holy Spirit, indwelled by the Spirit, baptized in the Spirit, and the Holy Spirit fell on them. All those terms mean the same thing. You got the Spirit. Amen. And when did you get the Spirit? The moment you got saved. We went over that before. When you get saved today, you get all of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now then, you don't yield all of your life to the Holy Spirit. And everybody I know done a tremendous work of God. They got saved, but sometimes they got sold out. Yeah. And you know what? If you knew all was God was going to do, you, do for you in your life when you got saved, when you got saved, you'd run yourself to death hotter than a chap. But he's got to wait a little bit until you're mature enough to handle what he's going to give you. But you know what? You have the Holy Spirit. You know, the thing about it is, is our baptism. It is just the thing that uh, you know, people misunderstand about baptism. Uh, these different terms have to do with baptism. To be submerged, some some completely covered, it's like dyeing a, gu a garment when you have to push it totally down into the dye. Believer's baptism is identification with Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection. And believers become the property of the person that's named. I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. You belong to them. That's it. That's baptism. Do you want to be owned by the Holy Spirit? Do you want to be owned by Jesus? Do you want to be owned by God? And see, like I said before, we've already been over that. I've kind of done that. In Acts 26, there's a first part of your testimony, the middle part of your testimony, and there's the end of your testimony, but you've got to have the gospel in there. When somebody hears the gospel, they must uh, believe to a point of following. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you do not do the things that I say? If you're not following, if you're not doing what he asks you to do, you are not believing. And you need to examine your salvation. You need to confess your sins. Confess simply means that you agree with God that you are wrong and that he is right. You confess. Then you repent. If you're not willing to repent of your sins, repent is a military term that simply means that you're going in one direction and you 
turn and go in the exact opposite direction. You're going away from God, and now you turn and go to God. There's got to be repentance. And you die to yourself, and you give your life to God. You receive the gift of eternal life. That means we're living eternally right now. We're living part of our eternal life right, right now. It started at salvation. Well, I just hope I make it to heaven when I die. Me too, but you know what? I'm going to have a big time on my way. I'm going to serve Jesus on my way. And I'm going to have the joy of the Lord in my heart on my way. You receive the gift of eternal life. You receive Jesus and all that he did for you on Calvary. Do you know everything he did for you on Calvary? We're going to talk about a verse in a minute that will help you. Your, pick, your baptism was a picture of your identification with Christ. In, uh, G, you know, like I said, the, the first believers, the Holy Spirit had not come until he ascended. And those guys that were believers, they, they had never known about the Holy Spirit. He just said, when I leave, I'll send somebody back to you. But they didn't even really understand it was. So they said, now, if you receive the Holy Spirit, they said, I don't know what you're talking about. And so they would breathe. God would breathe on them. They'd receive the Holy Spirit. Uh, can you remember another time when God breathed on somebody? I think he was called Adam. And he took a little pile of dirt and piled it up. He went. Mm -hmm. There he was. And that was the start of first life. And then when he breathed the Holy Spirit on you, that's the start of your new life. In Christ. God is always the same. Amen. Never changes. He is a good God. I'm, I'm always running ahead of myself, so I have to go back and make sure I don't forget something. The first spirits, the first disciples, needed to be controlled by the Spirit. Now, you can think about this. These 12 guys didn't really understand about the gospel, didn't really understand what Jesus was going to do, but they were empowered by the Holy Spirit, and the 12 of them in about, in about uh, 70 years had over 200,000 Christians attending church. No telephone, no telegraph, no letters, no nothing. Just by word of mouth, one-to-one -one on people. Hundreds of thousands of people saved in the start of the New Testament church. But they needed the Holy Spirit power to do that. God says that it's his will. Ephesians 5.17 says it's his will that you are filled with his spirit. Everybody's asking, oh, I wish I knew God's will for my life. I don't know if I'm supposed to marry this guy or not, and I need to know his will. And Lord, I want a new car, and I want to know his will. And Lord, I, uh, I need a new house, and I need to know his will. And I would just need to know the will of God. Can I tell you something? I know the will of God for your life, that you be filled with the Spirit. Amen. 
And if you're filled with the Spirit, all that other stuff just takes care of itself. But we don't believe that. We think like we've got to be so involved and we've got to do. No, you just have to be filled and do what he says and he'll take care of the rest. Now, this is what we hit this on the first night, and I'm going to go back to it. But, you know, we've got all these things that we call sin. And we say, well, this is a sin, and that's a sin, and, and drinking and robbing and raping and all this stuff sin. And you know what? And then we judge ourselves relative to the people that do those things, and we say, oh, oh, I'm not like them. I don't sin. But can I tell you something? We talked about the fact that Jesus was selfless. There was nothing he did for himself. And he gave himself on the cross to die for us. And so Jesus was not selfish. And you can say that you don't sin. But let me tell you something. Anytime you're selfish, you have sinned. I don't care what it's in, what you call it. When you start being selfish and what, what you want instead of what God wants, you have sinned. And the Bible says that when we sin, we need to confess our sin. Because sin separates. Before you're saved, your, your sin keeps a, a gulf between you and God. And Jesus reached that gulf and paid your sin debt and pulled you out of hell. And at, at before you're saved and when you get saved, God forgives your sin and there's no sin in your life because all sins are forgiven. We'll talk about that in a minute. All your sins are forgiven. And you know what? You remember back in them days when you wanted to witness to everybody? You want to tell everybody you just got saved. I mean, I think I told the cat. I'm not sure. But I just want to tell somebody. And uh, a buddy of mine got saved, and he was just witnessing to everybody. And his preacher said, well, somebody will bust his bubble and he'll get over it. And I looked that man right now and I said, if you tell me who busts his bubble, you And I think it might have thought it was going to be him. Let me tell you something. That joy and peace and excitement that you had when you first got saved is the same joy and peace you should have in your heart today. And sin separates the believer from God with unconfessed sin in the life of a believer. It says that when you commit a sin and God takes time to convict you of that sin, you should confess that sin. Agree with you are wrong, agree that God is right, and confess it. And we always want to quote First uh, John 1, 9. You know, that's what it says when you sin, not if you sin, when you sin, you need to confess that sin. And he is faithful to forgive you that sin. Now we always quote uh, 1 John 1, 9. Does anybody know what 1 John 1, 8 says? If you think you are without sin, you're fooled. You're wrong. Everyone, you know, have you killed anybody? No, no, I don't sin. Have you been selfish today? 
You just have to shut up because you have. God says, I know that if you say you're out sin, you're not telling the truth. Sin separates. And I truly believe it says the truth is not in us if we, don't, if we say we don't sin. And he says us, and us means all of us. You know, we talked about the fact that do you really think you were a sinner before you got saved? Do you really think, we, they sang the song tonight, do you really think that you were a wretch and that you were dead and that you were lost and that you, you know, all those, did you think that you were an enemy of God? God says you're either with me or for me. If you scatter, and if, instead of, if you scatter rather than gather, he said you are an enemy of God. And if you, don't have, if you don't have your sins confessed, those sins block up the pipe. Before you were saved, no relationship and no fellowship. After you're saved, you're still saved, but there is no fellowship. There is no power. There is no joy. All selfishness and all sin is equal in God's eyes. You say, you say, you mean to tell me there's nothing between, no difference between murdering somebody and stealing a 10-cent piece of candy in the drugstore? No, they're both sin. But the consequences are different. See, your, those consequences go as deep as the sin. If you steal a piece of candy, you go in and apologize to the guy and give him a dime and give him his candy back, and you know it's a pretty done deal. You're, you're forgiven. You've made retribution. But if you're having an affair and you've got a family, she's got a family, and y'all have a baby, there's going to be some serious retribution for your sin. God sees them the same. But your retribution that you have to pay back is different. I, I was a building contractor, and before I was saved, just before I was saved, I went to a gas station and started filling up my truck with gas, and on the top of the gas pump was a pair of needle-nose pliers. Now, everybody knows that a, that a man needs another set of needle-nose pliers. I mean, you only got 12, but one more would do good. You know what I'm saying? And so I wasn't saved, so I just put my arm up on the tank, and I slid those pliers off, slid them in my pocket, and I put them in my toolbox, and they just were just handy, handy, handy. And then I got saved, and I opened up that toolbox, and there they lay. I'm a doggone, why couldn't I lost them things? I mean, Really? And God says, you got to go give them back. And so I get in my truck, and I drive 20-something miles to the filling station. And, the, you know, and I walk in the back, and the guy's working on the car. And I said, sir, I need to ask you forgiveness. He says, I was in here a couple of months ago, and I wasn't saved, and one of your, pair of your pliers was out there on the gas pump, and I stole them. 
And I want to tell you, I brought your pliers back, and I want to ask you to forgive me. And uh, I will pay for you another pair if you want me to. But I just need to make it right. He went, whoa, don't give me the things. It was like they were made out of uh, something, something dangerous. What's the dynamite? You know what I'm saying? They just, he just scared him to death. And I went, this is pretty good. I've confessed my sins, still got the pliers. I mean, you know what? Do you hear what I'm trying to tell you tonight? This means yes in North Carolina. Yes. Okay? When we're talking about confession of sin, we're talking about every deed and every action. That's things that you do and you don't do. The fact that everything, uh, everything we do that's a, a, opposed to the teaching of God is sin and it's selfishness. We need to know that we uh, need to confess Every word that comes out of our mouth is not, that's not what should come out of our mouth. The Ten Commandments said, thou shalt not kill. Jesus said, you can kill people with your tongue. You can break a, a student's, a child's will with your tongue just, and he'll never get over it. So we need to think about what our tongue is doing. And we need to confess it. We need to look at every thought that we have. Ten Commandments says if you have an adult, uh, uh, adultery with a lady, you sin. Jesus said if you think about it, and think about it long enough to plan it, it's sin. It's your thought life. Everything that's going on. And then you know what? I've got down here, you know, if we're unthankful for the stuff we got. One of my, my main goals working with students is the fact that, that I want to get them out of this country as quick as I can and take them to a country where the people live like three quarters of the rest of the population of the world. Desolate. Third world country. And yet we're all, you know, what about this covetousness stuff? You know, somebody drives up in the churchyard with a new Mercedes. Who does he think he is? <laughs> Why don't you say, praise God, God's blessing. He must be doing something right. Amen. This is where I've been headed all week. If we're going to start to witness, if we're begin, going to begin God's plan to do his work, we've got to be right with God. You can't feel, be filled with the Holy Spirit. You can't fill up the tube and tell all the junk. You can't fill it with the Holy Spirit till you get all the sin out. You can't fill something that's got stuff in it. And you know what? We need to deal with the issue of sin in our life. And you know what? I've asked people to testify, and praise God, we've had some. But I can understand why you won't talk on the microphone in church. I understand it. 
But you know, we're believers. And every one of us has sinned. And I believe the thing that's, that's rendering the church useless is unconfessed sin in the life of believers. So you may be here tonight and you realize that you, you know, you've never been saved. We're going to address that tomorrow night. Hope you'll come back. But you know, there is the issue of your original sin. And it might be, and there are counselors right here, plenty of people that would love to share with you and explain to you exactly what it means to be saved. But the rest of us, there's only two kinds of people on earth, lost and saved. There's no middle of the road. And so the rest of us are saved. And I truly believe that if you've listened to what I said straight from the Word of God, you can't sit here and say you don't, you're not a sinner. And that you have sin in your life and that you need to confess it. So I can understand if you didn't want to talk on the microphone. But I can understand that you don't want any cloud between you and Jesus. You don't want anything blocking the view between you and Him. And you need to confess your sins. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I'm simply asking you to do what the Bible says to do. And you know what? I know there's people that are don't move around so well and probably not want to come to the altar and kneel, but you know we're going to, Make these front two rows available so you can come to the altar and sit on the bench and pray. I believe all of us have got business we need to do with the Heavenly Father. And we don't need to put it off. We need to do it tonight. And we're going to open up this altar for you to come and confess your sin. And have nothing between you and the Heavenly Father. You can do that tonight. But you know what? I also know that you can pray right where you're sitting. And you can do business with God. And I've always kind of wondered about that. You know, I always thought it was better to come to the altar. But I knew also, true as it is, I mean, it's true. You can pray right where you are. But you know what I found out? You can pray where you are. But you can't humble yourself before God where you are. And we're not going to have any music playing. We're just going to sit quietly until everybody does, not what I say, but what God has asked you to do tonight. As we wait before him.
Heavenly Father, we thank you for these that have prayed for the forgiveness of their sins. And Father, that they might be yours. That they may be controlled by your spirit and guided by your word. And that we'd go and do works that give evidence of our salvation. And Lord, that we'd see men and women, boys and girls, come to saving faith in Jesus Christ. And there'd be great joy in the church. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. There's a last part of that verse. And basically it says, if you confess your sin, he is faithful to forgive you of that sin. But you know what? Regardless of how sincere you are when you pray, you know what? You can't even think about all the sins that you've committed. Now, the only ones you can confess is the one he shows you. But the last part of that verse says, but if you'll confess the sins that you know about, he said, I will cleanse you of all unrighteousness. So when you pay, pray for that sin and ask forgiveness, you, may, you say, oh, but I know there's so many more. Don't worry about it. It's under the blood. It's under the blood. Guys, we desperately need to be about God's plan and about business. You guys have got a marvelous church. And, uh, and there's just so much potential here. But you know, I'm, I'm afraid of God's wrath and his judgment, but I'm also real afraid of letting him down. Mm -hmm. Pastor. Thank you, Brother Steve.